Are you looking for a new way to play fantasy sports? Well, we've got you covered. Welcome to Champions Round. Hey, I already can't wait for week two to get started. You know how excited I am about football? I'm cracking a beer right now. I was going to talk about <laughs> it right there. Oh, yeah. Oh, there yeah. you go. The nice That's the move. sound of Miller Lite. Man, I need a little heads up or else I would have cracked one too. Next uh, I episode, to, I guess. I had, to, I had to give you a nice element of surprise there. Oh, okay. You kept me on my toes. Yes, sir. Um, Yeah, week one was awesome. There's nothing better than a Sunday in the NFL, especially you get all of summer with all the COVID stuff. Just so thankful that it's back. And it lived up to the hype. It was great. I didn't notice the fans really weren't there at all. Did you? You know what? I I was going to say the same thing. It felt pretty normal, actually. Uh, I thought... The gameplay, I thought uh, it wasn't as sloppy as I was expecting, and it, that was kind of a narrative. Uh, even going through Monday night, I remember the broadcasters talking about it. The tackling was pretty good. The execution w- was fairly good o- for the most part, and I didn't feel like uh, I was missing out with uh, with nobody in the stadium. So I-, I would say it's a pretty successful week one for the NFL. More importantly, I think that we can all agree that preseason games are, outside of getting your body up to shape, I think are it's ridiculous. They I think definitely... they're extinct, right? I think they're going to retire. I mean, at this point, I, I can't imagine they're coming back. Them coming back. I think that at, at minimum they're going to be at two weeks. Right. Um, I think that's that'll probably be where they land on that one. Um, but from a fantasy perspective, which is why we're here, uh, an incredible week one, lots of highs, lots of lows. Um, mm-hmm. So I want to jump right in into our buyer fade. Um, so one of the big surprises for week one, Sunday night football, everybody thought that Cam Akers was going to be the Rams lead back, including myself. And I may have invested a lot in fantasy in him. Uh, <laughs> but all of a sudden, and not unlike he has done before, Malcolm Brown comes in and scores a couple of touchdowns, gets the bulk of the carries. He looks like the main back in L.A. Um, do you think that they will continue feeding Brown the rock as if he were Todd Gurley? Or do you think this is going to be a little bit like San Francisco last year where they ride their hot hand? Now, McVay had previously mentioned that they may do something like that in a full running back by committee. Whoever's got the hot hand, they'll give it to him. Um, where do you kind of fall on that issue? Man, Malcolm looked great. I mean, really, Malcolm Brown came out. He, he looked – I mean, he, his height and weight is listed exactly the same as last year, and obviously the height's not going to change. I thought he looked a little trimmer, and he was moving a little better this season as opposed to previous seasons. And he really, I think, is emerging as the guy, at least here in round one in the Champions round format. And again, that's weeks one through six. Season long, I could see Cam Akers still being the guy. But to your to the question, I do think it's going to be that timeshare, but tilted slightly in the favor of Malcolm Brown. Cam Akers still had, I believe, 14 touches. He was much less much less ineffective than um than Malcolm Brown was, who rushed 18 times, 79 yards, two touchdowns, like you said. And me and a buddy actually had a, had a money on Malcolm Brown to score the first touchdown of the game. Nice. I think it was at plus 2,000. So we cashed in a little bit there. That was a good bet. But he really he really impressed. Um, I think it's his job to lose for the moment. But I just see Cam Akers with that talent. I think they're going to continue to integrate him more and more in the offense. He's going to be more and more comfortable. And I think in season-long formats, he's still the guy. It's going to be a timeshare. But I think, as I was saying in the championship format, I think it's Malcolm Brown's job to lose right now, at least in the first six weeks. Yeah, Brown was great. Uh, I do think that the McVay comment about looking at the Shanahan system and saying that's how he wants his running back room to look is interesting, which, 
you know, at the end of the year, Mostert was the guy, but then you look in right. the, the first, their first playoff game last year and Tevin Coleman had a hundred yards and two touchdowns. So mm-hmm. it's tough. To, it's tough to really trust Brown or acres. That being said, I have all of this acres stock. I don't think I'm going to go down lightly and one injury changes everything. Uh, I agree with you though, for the beginning of the season, I think that Brown's probably the guy, but the guy that you want full season, I'm still, I'm still an acres guy in that conversation. Absolutely. And and this is the toughest thing to predict here. And we've talked about it on the show before those timeshares and, and what the allocation is going to be like as far as, uh, as far as, you know, touches go in the backfield. And and it's the trend that's, you know, the NFL is going to, and, and San Francisco was extremely successful last year and having three quality running backs on the roster and, and all of them being able to really specialize in their role, but carry the rock and, and, and take down that workload. So it's just a luxury for these teams to have. It's a great problem to have if you're an NFL owner and really a, a, a hard problem to have if you're a fantasy owner. Absolutely. Uh, so speaking of Akers potentially taking over for Brown due to an injury, we had a ton of injuries this year. ton of this them. weekend fantasy. Uh, obviously, I, I think that everyone believes is because they didn't have the same sort of run-up time and training during the summer and whatever, but... It seemed like there were a ton of injuries, especially to rel- uh, fantasy relevant players. So let's go through a couple of them, and then we'll pose the question: which is the most important fantasy injury? Mm-hmm. So Marlon Mack, uh, Indianapolis Colts running back, he is out for the year with a torn Achilles, which means Jonathan Taylor stock through the roof. Uh, I'm happy for myself because of that, um, Absolutely. but I, but the Marlon Mack situation uh, sucks for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, Naheem Hines is definitely going to have a bigger role uh, as a running back for the Colts. And by the way, did he blow up in week one? He did. Eight receptions. Uh, he looked great. Two touchdowns. Uh, yep. I think he's going to have a huge role. Um, James Conner, sprained ankle. Don't know how long he's going to be out, but probably for a little bit. Benny Snell, I'm sure everybody tried to pick him up on the waiver wire this week. He looked great. Uh, Le'Veon Bell is going to be out for three weeks. Who knows who the heck's going to get the ball uh, with the Jets in the running game. Uh the timeless Frank Gore, perhaps, is now fantasy relevant <laughs> once again. Once uh, again, yeah, without fail, uh, he's always relevant every single year. You got a couple of good weeks out of Frank Gore. Yep. Uh, Philip Lindsay, who looks like he's going to be out a couple of weeks, also. Melvin Gordon looked great in his debut with the Broncos. Uh, maybe this makes Royce Freeman relevant once again to fantasy. Who knows? And uh, the big one for everybody who took Michael Thomas in the first round. Uh, feel bad for you. Uh, yeah. And and I did it myself in two different leagues. Uh, I'm not sure when he's going to come back. He's a tough one. He might try to tough it out and play on Monday Night Football. I doubt it. I think he'll probably be out uh, probably three weeks. But, um, yeah, you're losing your number one draft pick, and you got issues. Whenever you lose a first-round pick, I mean, that man, that stinks. And, really, th- this is a guy we talked about on the podcast is the safest pick in the draft. I mean – and he missed one game his rookie season in the last two or three years. I'm not sure how many years he's been in the league now. I think it's his fourth season. So years two and three, he hadn't missed a game. He didn't start all 16, but he played all 16. So this is the first time he's missing time since his rookie season. Really, that and it shows, you know, you can be a great fantasy owner and and, and make all the moves that that you, that you can make. But at the, end of the, at the end of the day, there's quite a bit of luck attached to it. And those Michael Thomas owners definitely got unlucky there. And that's a big blow to recover from, uh, especially early in the season. All right, so I have two questions related to this, and one's going to be a little bit These other guys that I'm looking at – oh, go ahead. Well, so the two questions that I have for you are, one, well, obviously Michael Thomas is the most important, relevant uh, fantasy injury. 
But amongst the running backs that got injured this week, who do you think is the most – which one is the biggest issue going forward? And which player do you believe benefits the most from one of these injuries? It's it's a great question. Great questions, I should say. Because I think James Conner and Le'Veon Bell are maybe the biggest losses there for a fantasy team because of where you drafted them. We're talking about usually like third, maybe maybe late third, early fourth round picks. So a quality, quality piece on your fantasy roster. So I think those are going to be tough tough holes to fill unless you have the handcuffs and that's why you got to draft those guys late in the draft and get the Benny Snells and get the Frank Gores to make sure, Hey, if injuries happen, you got the, you got the guy to take those carries. And you mentioned earlier about the the preseason and, and how it not being there. And who knows, maybe there is some of that where we saw so many big names going out in week one because uh, they couldn't get their body right. And especially in a shortened training camp and all that. But the most interesting actually in, injury to me is Marlon Mack. Because he's the starting running back or was the starting running back in week one now. But he was actually drafted behind the guy who many people think is going to be the featured back moving forward. And as you mentioned, Jonathan Taylor's value just kind of skyrocketed there. And we put the over-under at Jonathan Taylor at 15 receptions in, in round one of Champions League, of Champions round, excuse me. And he had six in the first in the in week one. So I think actually the over of 15 is looking much better than I think either of us realized. So his value just skyrockets. I mean, Naheem Hines, his value goes through the roof as well. But I think you're going to see Jonathan Taylor get more and more involved, get more and more carries. And if he's catching the ball in the backfield, then he's absolutely worth that third, fourth round pick that you invested in. So I think with all the injuries, I think that ultimately is maybe the biggest factor moving forward is, is Jonathan Taylor's value got even higher. I couldn't agree more with that. And I am all on the Jonathan Taylor bandwagon at this point. I'm not sure if you had to redraft right now how many running backs you would take ahead of Jonathan Taylor at this point. I think he would certainly be a first-round pick, and I think that he would probably go in the Joe Mixon, Josh Jacobs, maybe not after Jacobs' uh, week one performance, but the Nick Chubb, Austin Eckler, somewhere in that range. You could throw him in the mix there for sure. So that's crazy because he's going in beginning around three, middle around three. Now he's going to be, I mean, if he doesn't get 20 touches a game here on out, as long as he's healthy, uh, he's going to be a stud. It's amazing how the value from week to week, you know, just one weekend of the season and people say overreaction Monday. And I don't think this is necessarily one of those overreactions just because of the sure workload and volume and, and carries and they have to go around somewhere. But it is amazing, just one week into the NFL season, now we're talking about week two, and Jonathan Taylor might be in that tier A, maybe tier B, upper tier B of running backs. It's crazy. Uh, mm-hmm. And he's going to he's gonna be so involved in the pass game. Now yeah. you don't have Mac there to get balls. I mean, you saw in the second half, he has six receptions, uh, and he showed that at least he can catch the ball in the backfield. Maybe he doesn't have the greatest hands, but he can do it. Mm-hmm. Um it's, it's going to be a great situation for him and anyone that has Jonathan Taylor, uh, bravo to you. And you will probably be doing very well over the next couple of weeks. And, um, and, you know, you hit that projection. You said the playing in the Phillip Rivers offense and, and the, you know, the dump offs and all that. I mean, him and Naheem Hines, I think they combined for, what was it, about 14 receptions on the yeah. day. I mean, that that's that's pretty special, especially in the PPR leagues. Especially, you know, I feel like the Colts, maybe you're playing from behind every once in a while. I feel like Phil Rivers is behind by a score 
with three minutes left in every single game that he's played in the last four years. Yeah. So maybe, yeah. maybe you're just going to get dump offs to try and go score points at the end of the game. It could be a trend. Uh, all right, let's move on to our third question here. Uh, which offense are you buying the most for fantasy after week one? We had a couple of offenses that maybe outproduced what we thought they might have. Um, the Cardinals had a great game. They might not have scored a ton of points. They only scored 24, but clearly the connection between Kyler Murray and Jadre Hopkins was special, and they looked to be like a team that could make some noise this year. You also had the Packers who threw up a 40-burger on the Vikings in Minnesota. Rodgers looked like the guy again. And then you also had the Seahawks who, albeit they were playing Atlanta, whose secondary is like Swiss cheese. But <laughs> Russell Wilson looked like, you know, the MVP of the league. I gave him my MVP uh, after week one. Mm-hmm. Um, they finally let Russ cook. He threw the ball all over the field early, early down, first three quarters, throwing the ball all over the field. Fourth down, throwing the, down, the ball down the field to DK Metcalf. Um, the Seahawks could really be special if they're going to let Russ throw the ball this much this year. We talked about it going in the season, into the year. Was this going to be the season that uh, Seattle is going to finally let him loose? And hey, through through week one, they they were letting him loose, and it's tough to pick against the Seahawks offense. Those three were definitely the three that I had uh, thought of as well: the Cardinals, the Packers, the Seahawks. I'm going to go to the Packers just because of the division that they're in. Seattle and Arizona both playing in the NFC West. The 49ers have a good defense. The Rams defense looked awesome on Sunday night. Arizona's got a defense, good, got a good defense as well. And Seattle's, you know, no, uh, they, they don't have, you know, they got a pretty good defense up there in the Pacific Northwest as well. So I think all four of those teams play pretty good defense. And I think that's just going to affect the fantasy value slightly, just a little bit for Arizona and Seattle. And with those three, I'm going to go the Green Bay Packers because they got Detroit twice in, in on the schedule. They got Chicago twice on the schedule. And I think just that alone separates it just just enough to pick them over the other two. And I think Matt LaFleur is is going to – it's not that the reins were on Aaron Rodgers. I don't think you can say that. But the, the offense was pretty – very, very balanced last season, maybe even run heavy to an extent. And I think they're going to get back to airing the ball out a little bit. And, man – Aaron Rodgers looked like he had something to prove on Sunday. And there's been a lot of talk about, you know, maybe Green Bay is going to take a step back this year. And maybe Aaron Rodgers isn't that bad man that uh, that Stephen A. Smith has always talked about that he is. But, man, I think he's on a mission this year. And and I think that Packers offense could be special. And then the other offense that I'm kind of looking at, just like keeping my eye on, is the Patriots. I mean, they only scored 21 this weekend against the Miami Dolphins. Should have been 28 if Nikhil Harry doesn't fumble in the end zone. They're really tailoring that offense to fit Cam Newton's strengths. And I could just see them gelling over the course of the season and being high-powered offense moving forward. Interesting. Uh, I have my reservations about the Patriots. Uh, I don't think that you can run Cam 15 times a game and see, you know, kind of that open up the offense a lot. I'm not sure you can do that every game. But it was impressive to see that that is within the repertoire of uh, his ability still. Mm -hmm. Um, So very interesting there. Uh, the Packers, interestingly, on that list that we provided would be the team that I would want to sell. Uh, Interesting. I I have issues with the Vikings' defense right now, and I think that long-term they'll be fine. They're dealing with – I think the cluster. Vikings got issues with the Vikings' defense right now. Too. Yeah, they, they got cluster injuries. I really think that Zimmer's defense is really 
timing based and knowing where every one of your guys is going to be. And it just did not work. And obviously Rogers has experience playing the Vikings a lot and right. tore them up. And I just, I'm still kind of down on the Packers this year. I think they will come back to earth a little bit. I think that the Seahawks on the other hand, if they're actually going to let Russ cook and everybody's been trying to tell Seahawks forever, let Russ do his thing. Yep. We will see if it was just Atlanta, which it might have been. In that case, buy all of the Dallas stock this weekend. But <laughs> if it's the Seahawks and they're going to throw the ball down the field and Russ is going to be Russ, they could have a giant year. Like we're talking about Russ's MVP and QB1 in fantasy and Lockett and DK Metcalf as top 15 wide receivers. Chris Carson didn't even play well. He ended up with two touchdowns because they mm-hmm. were freebies and he got involved in the passing game. That's something that I, if it's like that, I'm really going to buy hard on them. And Arizona, I was already bought in all the way. They got me hook, line, and sinker. I couldn't be more invested or in on the Arizona Cardinals if I tried. Yeah. So I, I'm not going to stop now after a win at San Francisco in week one. No, no, definitely not. And you'll see in Seattle, it's so interesting with, with Russell Wilson because He's up there in that top tier of quarterbacks, and everybody knows that he's a perennial MVP candidate. But is there a more underrated player in the NFL? I mean, I think for as great as people know he is, I don't think he gets the praise and the love that he deserves. So I don't think whenever you pick a, a, a team led by Russell Wilson, if they're going to let him loose and really let his arm talent shine and, and let his skill set on full, put his skill set on full display, it's really hard to go against that pick. All right, let's go to which offense are we going to sell after week one of the fantasy season? And the three that came to the top of mind were Tampa Bay, Philly, and the 49ers. Man, whew, this one's tough. I'm not selling I'm not selling Tampa quite yet. They played the Saints, really tough defense, one of the best defenses in the league, still showed some signs. I'm not ready to to do that, even though I got my question marks about Tampa Bay. Not quite selling on them yet. San Francisco, missing Debo Samuel, Samuel, missing Brandon Ayuk, you know, the, um, the, rookie, the, the rookie wide receiver. I, I think they're still going to find their footing, and I, I'm not as concerned about them. And I think they played a good Arizona defense. I, I mean, as high as I am on Arizona's offense, I think they've invested quality, young, um, they invested high draft picks into their defense, and I just think that defense is actually going to get better over the course of the season. So I'm not – selling on the 49ers yet i am i think i am selling on philly i i don't know what happened there against washington this past weekend i know the offensive line's banged up i just don't see many very many playmakers for philadelphia anymore carson wentz does not look like the same guy he did during his mvp season and i just i don't know i got i got a lot of question marks about what's going on in philadelphia right now but the team i am selling hard on and this pains me to say because i don't I, I cheer for the Browns. I've kind of adopted them as my team over the last couple of years. I've bought into the hype, but I'm selling Cleveland's offense. I think Baker looks incredibly uncomfortable in the pocket. He looks rattled even when there's no pressure, and it's led to four extra hurries on the uh, in week one because he held on to the ball too long. It doesn't seem like there's any kind of connection there between him and Odell Beckham, even though he tries to force feed the ball to Odell 10 targets this past weekend. I don't know. There's a lot of hype, a lot of playmakers on Cleveland. And like I said, it pains me to say it, but I am selling the Cleveland Browns offense. I don't even have the Browns in here because I, I think I had already sold out other than Nick <laughs> Chubb. Uh, I, you were the smart one. 
I I left the Baker train last year, unfortunately, and I was hopeful this fantasy would get him a little bit back towards uh, mediocre. Um, right. I don't see that. I don't see that happening. I feel bad for their wide receivers. Uh, he definitely does look uncomfortable in the pocket. Uh, you yeah. nailed the word there. Um, in terms of the three teams that we mentioned, um, Philly is a team that I'm probably going to sell on in fantasy, even though I have some Miles Sanders stock, but a team that I'm, I can almost guarantee you that I'm going to bet on this week hosting the Rams. Ooh, uh, that's the, an interesting one. The 49ers, uh, tough to say. They, they had such a, they had a nice lead in the game. George Kittle gets injured. I mean, if Kittle's out, their whole offense is screwed. Everything right. runs through him. The running game and the passing game run through him. What they're already with their wide receiver injuries, that could be a real issue. The 49ers could be the team that drops off in the NFC West. Uh, I don't want to overreact to week one. They're still a very talented team, but they do yeah. have some weird cluster injuries. And their offense isn't dynamic enough and wasn't last year that they can overcome some of these injuries. So definitely a team to watch. I'm not ready to sell them yet, but I have my eye on you, San Francisco. Um, mm-hmm. The question that I have about Tampa Bay, and maybe they would be the one that I sell most of this, is New Orleans has a great defense. You said that. You're correct. There are also – there's so many new pieces. My question is, how long is it going to take them to get in rhythm? And the second part of that question is, is Brady cooked? Like, <laughs> based on – you can't bet against Brady. It's the hardest thing in the world to do. But at some point, he's still a 43-year-old quarterback. There's a, point, there's a point in time where this no longer works. Every time that we've asked that before, he's come back and won a Super Bowl. So I don't want to say that he's cooked, but the, uh, he might be cooked. The, the noodle arm tag was getting tossed around in my group chat a little bit on Sunday, probably at a disrespectful rate too. So who knows? I mean, I saw a stat that said a, him, I believe it was Matt Schaub and Blake Bortles, are the only quarterbacks within like the last 10 years to throw a pick six in three straight games. So that, not a good look, not a good not look for company. Tom Brady, not a good look for Tom Brady. Yeah. I think it's early. I think you, the valid point of how quickly will this, uh, will this offense come together and all these new pieces come together. It's a lot like basketball where, you know, that you put all these superstars on a team in the first year, you expect them to, to go all the way. All of the Clippers yesterday, they you know these new pieces and they they fell short. Miami Heat when 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 LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, and Chris Bosh all got together, and you can make the same kind of points there w- w- when you're addressing a football team. And they've had a lot of new additions there, and we'll see how long it takes them to get rolling if if they get rolling at all. All right, so let's move on to some other fantasy news and notes and some more questions. The waiver wire, mm-hmm. so. Week one is always like the waiver wire all-stars, right? Everybody, oh, yeah. not, they had a great week one. This guy got injured. I have to go spend all of my fab money, all $100 to get this running back or whatever. And everybody thinks that everybody overreacts. My team stinks. My team's great. Whatever. Right. So we're going to go with what I'm calling the waiver wire all-stars. So here's who I got. <laughs> I got Benny Snell, Malcolm Brown, Russell Gage. Frank Gore, or Dallas Goddard. So amongst those five, two questions here. Who do you think is going to have the most points this week in week two? And which do you think is the most fantasy relevant for the rest of the season? Ooh, oh man. Uh, fantasy relevant for the for the season. I 
it's tough because we talked about Benny Snell, we talked about Malcolm Brown, and and that's as long as they stay health healthy and they continue to get touches, and James Conner in Pittsburgh stays away. I mean, I think those are the safest picks. But I think if if Conner gets back in the mix and Cam Akers starts uh, getting more touches, then I think Dallas Goddard actually is the safest pick out of all these for the rest of the season. I mean, he even with Zach Ertz there, it seems like Carson Wentz have Carson Wentz and him have a connection, even though it's just kind of slamming the Philly offense there. I do think Dallas Goddard is a is a trustworthy option there at the tight end position. As far as week two production, I'm actually gonna go Russell Gage. He really emerged there on the scene in in, in week one, caught nine passes for over 100 yards. And I, when I was looking at the box score, I actually I, it was interesting. Him, Ridley, and Julio Jones all caught nine passes for over 100 yards. I, I don't know when the last time that happened, especially for a team that lost. So that was just kind of interesting. It might be something to look back on the archives. But this week, Russell Gage going against Dallas, uh, who we saw Robert Woods really um, get a lot of work there in those crossing routes. I could see Russell Gage having a big game, especially as Dallas pulls away and Atlanta needs to continue to throw the ball like last week. I think Russell Gage is in store for a big week too. And then one guy actually that wasn't on the list here that I'm kind of penciling, and we were talking about injuries earlier, and I think we forgot to mention that Chris Godwin is now questionable, battling concussions-like symptoms. He's now in concussion protocol. I've got Scotty Miller, who Scotty Miller. Are, Scotty Miller, he, there's a good chance, well, he probably got picked up this week. But before this week, he was probably on the waiver wire. And I think as long as Chris Godwin's out, and even if Chris Godwin comes back, I just it sounds like him and Tom Brady got a rapport there. Tom Brady likes throwing the ball to him as Troy Aikman continued to to pound down our pound in our TV sets uh, on Sunday. And I think Scotty Miller not only a big week too, but a big season. Yeah, Scotty Miller fits the Edelman, Amendola, West Walker role perfectly. So I wouldn't Absolutely. be surprised if he has a huge season myself. Uh, so amongst those from earlier, uh, I think that I would trust Malcolm Brown for sure for the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, the Snell thing is interesting because I think that Connor is a bell cow running back if he's – or they treat him as such if he's in the game, but he's always injured. So right. it's just dicey with Snell. If Connor's out, I mean, Snell is the guy in Pittsburgh, and that is an excellent offense for him to score fantasy points in. Uh, Gage, I like a lot too. He had 12 targets. I could see that continuing. Atlanta seemingly is going to be behind a lot of the season, which is always great for your fantasy team if you have yep. uh, wide receivers. Uh, Frank War, I'd take out of there. Uh, and Goddard, Goddard, I really like too. I mean, if you need a tight end and you had like Eric Ebron or something like that this week and Goddard's still available, go switch those two. Goddard's going to be in play all season for the Eagles uh, because. They don't have any wide receivers that are healthy. <laughs> the lack of playmakers, I, yeah, it's amazing. It's I think Dallas Goddard is is at least got a lot of volume coming his way. For sure. Uh, all right, let's go on to one more question, which is the rookie running backs, which we've already talked about a little bit with Jonathan Taylor. Uh, most fantasy points in week two amongst the rookie running backs, Cam Akers, Jonathan Taylor, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, or J.K. Dobbins, who also had two touchdowns in his debut. You know, I want to make like a sexy splash here and and go against the grain, but I'm just looking at the names and I'm looking at the matchups, and it's really hard for me to pass on Clyde Edwards-Alaire. I mean, he hit the ground running in in game one, and I think he's just going to continue to to ramp it up and and prove why he was 
worthy of that first round pick, not only in the NFL draft by Kansas City, but in the in many in many fantasy formats, being a first round pick there. And I mean, what what was it? It was 28 carries, 130 yards, roughly one touchdown, and probably what six goal line opportunities that he couldn't punch in. So yeah. I just think against the Chargers, um, I I just see Kansas City racking it up, and I think he's getting a lot of rushing attempts, and I think he's going to be more active in the passing game, catching balls out of the backfield. So like I said, it, I I don't want to be blah and just go with the chalk pick, but it was really tough for me to go against Clyde Edwards-Alaire this week. How about this? I'm going to pick Edwards Lair to be third amongst us for this Ooh, week. Okay. So I think that Jonathan Taylor, this is the true breakout week. Uh, I think he's going to have a big game, lots of production. They're going to show him off. But I do think that J.K. Dobbins is going to have a big week. Something about Mark Ingram, if you watch that game, he did not look right. Uh, I don't know if he's practicing this week or if he's injured at all. None of those reports have come out. This is kind of me just maybe wheeling and dealing a little bit. But I think that Dobbins is going to be much more active. He was active at the goal line. I think he's going to be more active throughout the entire game. I could see Dobbins having a 20-point week this week. So it's not to say that Edwards Hilaire isn't going to have a big week. I just think that Dobbins could have a huge breakout week. Yeah, I mean, Houston's the team that gave it up to Clyde Edwards Hilaire the week before. So uh, yardage could definitely, yardage and touchdowns could definitely be there for the taking for J.K. Dobbins this week. All right, so let's move on to two final kind of quickum picks. Uh your week two breakout fantasy star, someone that you're looking at who maybe not everybody is thinking about, who's going to have a huge week. I'm looking at a guy, and this was really tough because there were some guys that, that we've talked about in the show that didn't break out in week one, or there were some guys that did emerge in week one that we hadn't really discussed here. But a guy who I've been high on since he was in college, rookie wide receiver from LSU, Justin Jefferson from Minnesota. We saw what Gardner Minshew and the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars did to the Indianapolis Colts this past weekend. Minshew goes 19 of 20, throws three touchdowns to three different receivers. And I think Justin Jefferson is really going to emerge here and have his breakout week and dance in the end zone for the first time as an NFL as an NFL player. I mean, I'm looking at last week, 52 snaps for the Vikings. He was on the field for 36 of them. Thielen was on the field for 50, and he was second in line as far as the wide receivers at 36. So I think he's going to be on the field enough. I think there's going to be some points there for, for the Vikings to get against, say, a questionable Indianapolis Colts secondary. And I, I'm, I'm really high on Justin Jefferson this week. I have another rookie wide receiver, so I'm okay. not happy you stole my thunder there. But <laughs> Michael Pittman Jr. That's your guy. My guy. I guess this is my guy. I got to go back to him. And he only yep. had two receptions last week. I think that if you look at how the Vikings played against the Packers, you're going to want some of this going to go down the field. You want, uh, I think that Rivers going to throw the ball more down the field this game. Uh, and I think the Pittman is going to be the recipient. I don't, I don't believe in the Paris Gamble hype. I think right. it's going to be Pittman as the number two wide receiver there. Uh, and I think this is the week that he shows out. So I'm predicting at least five catches, 65 yards and a touchdown this week for Michael. Pittman. Okay. Big game, big game. And it's funny. They're opposite. They're going to be playing each other, obviously not on the field, at the same time, but they'll both be in the same game. So definitely something I'll be keeping an eye on on uh, during that Minnesota Indianapolis game. Maybe we should put a bet on it. Ooh, Jefferson I kind of like a little Pittman. side action. Jefferson versus Pittman, more fantasy points. Let's do it. All right. Uh, six pack of beer. All right. I'm on. All right. 
All right, let's do it. Um, all right, and speaking of gambling, we're going to do our best bet for week two. Uh, Michael, the floor is yours. So I made two picks last week. I took Atlanta Moneyline, and we know how that worked out. And then I also took the, the Chargers minus three at Cincinnati. It was a push, and they very likely, they very well could have lost that game had uh, you know the ref been standing one inch in a different spot and A.J. Green didn't get called for uh, – for an offensive pass interference. So, so far, not the greatest start to my, to my picks, but we're going to go back at it again this week. I'm going to go, I'm actually laying a lot of points. I got two games taking some of the biggest uh, point spreads of the, of the week. I talked about Kansas city against Sandy again. I was going to say San Diego against the Los Angeles chargers. I still do that from time to time. I don't know. They've been in LA for what, four years now. And I still reference San Diego. I'm going to get There's that. Still San Diego chargers to me too. Okay. All right. It's not just me. So the Kansas City against the Los Angeles Chargers in SoFi Stadium. It is the Chargers' home op- home opener. I'm going to go Kansas City laying the eight and a half points. I just think that offense is too dynamic. They came out swinging against Houston in, in Week One, and uh, even the Chargers the Chargers have a good defense. I don't think they're going to slow them down enough, and I just don't see the Chargers moving the ball enough and and getting the the ball into the end zone to enough to keep up with with the Chiefs. So I'm taking the Chiefs minus eight and a half. And then on the East Coast, I'm going to take Pittsburgh minus seven and a half in their home opener against Denver. Denver showed me some signs on Monday night against Tennessee. But if uh, Steven Goskowski could make a field goal or three of them and an extra point, Tennessee would have covered the, the point spread easily. So I'm going to take Pittsburgh. They look great on Monday night as well against the Giants, laying the seven and a half. So I got Pittsburgh minus seven and a half over Denver and Kansas City minus eight and a half against the Chargers. All right. So I have three picks myself so we okay. clearly, we went off script from the make your best bet and we're just making all sorts of best bets we're hey, it's our best parlay we'll go with that yeah the parlays are bs i'm not doing any parlays but i like the idea <laughs> um all right so my first one of the week is going to be the philadelphia eagles somewhere between plus one and one and a half depending on what book you're using mm-hmm. uh Look, the, the Eagles' uh, collapse in the second half against Washington was scary, and they do have some injury issues. But Lane Johnson's back. Miles Sanders was a full participant. I assume that he will be back. They're going to be playing at home. The Rams are traveling east, early game, bad situation for the Rams, especially coming off Sunday night football. Loss to the or sorry, big win versus the Cowboys. Mm-hmm. I think people are overrating them. Primetime game. I, I think that they're getting a point or two um, benefit of the doubt. And I really like the Eagles in this specific situation. I'm a big proponent of fading uh, week one into week two. I think that it's too aggressive of a difference between week one and week two. Mm-hmm. People buy into the hype. Um, so that's kind of a general theme for week two for me. My other two ones, uh, Dallas minus four and a half against Atlanta. I was looking at that too. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I, I like that pick. Yeah, I, I just think the Dallas is going to come out and throw the ball all over them. They're going to watch what Seattle did, and they're be like, well, we can do the exact same thing. They should have won the game in L.A. They didn't. They're at home. They're going to have fans, which I think is important. Teams that have had fans are 2-0, and so maybe fans actually make a difference. This uh, is true. And 4.5 is a low number. It opened at 6.5 and, and got bought down. Uh, people wanted it on Atlanta, so I think that's a great spot for the Cowboys. Um and my third pick is going to be a team that we've discussed a, a lot that I believe in a lot is Arizona minus six and a half hosting the Redskins. Redskins, Redskins are traveling east to west. They're obviously overhyped. 
based on the second half. They played great, but I don't think that they're going to do it again at all. I could see Arizona winning this game by 20 points easily. Also, Washington's biggest advantage, you could tell they really made a difference against Carson Wentz, and Wentz did not look that mobile. Uh, yeah. You're not going to be able to catch Kyler Murray. Yep, that's true. You, you saw him go against one of the best defensive lines in football with the, with the 49ers, and they couldn't come close to him. So mm-hmm. I, I think it's something where Arizona could come out. It could be a little dicey at the beginning of the game, and then they'll lay it on at the end. So those would be my best three bets for the week. I like them. I like them. We'll see. So we, let's see. I can't remember who he had last week. Did you have the Giants? I had the Giants and the Bills last week. Uh, so one Bills and one? Won. Yeah, Giants lost. Okay, so one and one. I am, let's see, I'm 0 1 and 1. So I guess we got to keep a running total on uh, running tally over the course of the season, how we do on our picks. Sounds good. We will do that. Awesome. All right. Um, and we still have that Jefferson versus Pittman bet. So maybe that counts in here too. Yeah, put it in there. All right. Uh, so until next week, when we talk to you again, week three, we'll be excited. More beers during the podcast, perhaps. Um, But until then, Michael, thanks for joining me, and we will talk soon. Thanks, Jason. Talk to you soon, man.